I mean, I would think that honestly, if we had Frank Capra show up materialized here, he would recognize this as the same kind of thrift that you had in It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. This idea that actually your money is in that person's house. That dynamic has been lost in the financial services market for a long time. So if they, if they can rediscover their soul, I think they're going to come knocking to work with us. We are talking to Lucy and Matthew, the co-founders of Stepladder, who are helping first-time buyers get a foothold on the property ladder. This is Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast featuring interviews with technology leaders and sharing some technology news. So if you're interested in tech, this is the podcast for you. Joining us on today's show, we've got Akish and Ali. Akish, you've not self-contained. No, I've not. I've, I've not got coronavirus. Uh, You've just got a seasonal cold. Seasonal cold. Uh, self-inflicted. Uh, being a Monday afternoon now. Um, yeah, just partied a little bit on the weekend. You went on Saturday and you're still feeling it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm getting a bit old to be honest. So, yeah. yeah, what did you do on Sunday? Uh, felt sorry for myself and watched the football. I, I watched Leeds on Saturday. Oh, did you? Yeah, didn't watch yeah. any Premiership this weekend though. Oh, well, Newcastle well. being terrible. Yeah. I did watch eight hours of Love is Blind. Wow. That's quite sad. Your recommendation or the missus? No, mine. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Jack Pierce, a uh, long-time co-host uh, of this show, he was tweeting about the fact that it's terrible but amazing. And it really is terrible but amazing. Yeah, my mum will back you up wow. on that one. I got, it, I got a little bit of a drunk call from my mum on Saturday. And she was like, Alyssa, I've been watching this. It's absolute rubbish, but it is so addictive. It's also massively conceited because... They talk to each other without seeing each other, and then the big reveal comes along. And basically, some of the boys are a bit weird looking, but basically everybody's quite good looking. So right. it's quite safe. Like the girls are generally pretty damn hot, yeah, yeah. and a few of the guys are pretty damn hot. And like, I think there was like one short guy, and all of them were quite tall. So yeah. it's like, uh. you know. Shame. Okay. Don't put that stigma on short men. Well, no, but there's a lot of girls that they will only date men who are taller than them. Yeah. Like, genuine jeopardy if they stuck a whole load of, like, glamazon six-foot women in and a whole load of five-foot men yeah. for a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The old tall, dark, that, and handsome thing. That would have tested whether or not love is blind. That is very true. And love is definitely not blind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Um, anyway, thinking of short people, Stepladder are our guests. Oh, <laughs> you like that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stepladder are our guests on today's show. Matthew and Lucy, the two co-founders, we're talking all about helping people get deposits, in particular first-time buyers. Uh, here's the interview, and we'll be back with some commentary afterwards. So on today's show, we're talking to Lucy and Matthew from Stepladder. Thank you for taking the time to have a conversation. Uh, before we, we dive into it, I, I suppose it'd be interesting to find out what you both do at Stepladder. I mean, you're co-founders, right? Correct, exactly. yeah. I think, Lucy, that you're COO and Matthew that you're CEO, but you might correct me there. That's exactly right. Yeah? How did you decide who was who out of interest? <laughs> Good question. Well, the idea behind Stepladder was Matt's, and he started it back in 2016. Right. So he was doing absolutely everything Yeah. Uh, when I met him in 2017, and I came in to help a couple of days a week. So that's how... Ah. And Matt will tell you a bit more about how the idea emerged. And Lucy's being modest. She's the dynamo of the team. So literally everything that happens like revolves around Lucy. So in that sense, it's a really good symbiosis. So um, let's assume that people don't know who Stepladder are. What is the, the company or products that you are building? So we are a collaborative finance community who 
help people raise their property deposits faster and better and with support. So we're mm-hmm. dedicated to helping people buy their first homes. Okay. Interesting, because I'm in the middle of this myself. Possibly timed it slightly wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we only had this conversation yeah, a couple yeah, months yeah, ago. Yeah, we exactly. <laughs> but when you say help people get that sum of money together faster, yeah. how? Because... I would assume that's entirely dependent on someone's salary, their outgoings, etc. So Indeed, until you meet something called a ROSCA, a Rotating Saving and Credit Association. Right. And this has been used all around the world for hundreds of years. And it's what Matt studied uh, when he was doing his MBA at Wharton. So I will let him explain what it is. So the simple point about ROSCA, and these exist worldwide, and being mm-hmm. 90 different countries around the world, I think 110 different names for them in different languages. I mean, in a place like Nigeria, there are actually seven different names for them, depending on what language you speak uh, mm-hmm. natively. The fascinating thing is in Brazil, these are a high street banking product. And so as an economic historian myself, it's fascinating to see something that you see work in the marketplace and then to understand why does it persist in that marketplace at that kind of scale. The way the ROSCA works is it's a, very similar to a lending circle. So something that you might know from microfinance or the Grameen Bank. The idea is that you get a group of people together who are making the same contribution every month to a central pod or kitty. And then each member of that group that's paying in gets a turn once to take that lump sum out. The fascinating thing about it, it's basically exactly where building societies here in the UK started as well. Mm. And so one of the fascinating things is to bring back here to the UK something that is really familiar, that if you peel back the layers, you see is at the core, the very basis of all banking, which is this idea that you are part of the time a saver, and every so often you also need a lump sum of money to borrow from the group. So I suppose the strength there is if you get scale enough that there's always a pot of money to draw down on. I mean, how do you stop? Or how do you guard against lots of people wanting to draw down a lump sum at the same period of time? Yeah, great question. So I think the best way to explain it is with an example. So say you need £10,000 for Mm. your property deposit and you decide you could put aside £500 a month. That would take you 20 months if you saved on your own. What we do at Stepladder is we'd match you to a group of 19 other people. So there's 20 of you together in a Stepladder circle. You all pay in £500 each month for 20 months. In the first month between you, you've got £10,000. 20 people times £500. £10,000. I mean, my maths is... Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's about my limit. And then we randomly allocate that £10,000 each month to one member of that circle. And the important thing here is the circle stay together. So you're with the same community of people for that 20 months Mm -hmm. and everybody takes it in turn one month. So in that way, 19 out of 20 people get their deposit faster. So when you're matching them to people, do they kind of say, right, I'm looking to save X in X period? Exactly, yeah. We look at how much you can afford to put aside each month and how much you want to raise and then that sort of works out how long you need to put money aside for. So there are two different groups of people, both need to raise £10,000. One group at the budget that allows £1,000 a month has nine other members alongside yourself. Mm-hmm. A different group that can uh, set aside 500 a month would have 19 members in addition to yourself. Fine. Both raise the pot of ten grand, but obviously two different time horizons and different size groups. Just to be frank, being in London, 10,000 isn't anywhere near enough. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that we're just kind of giving random numbers to make it easy to explain. Yes. So we could, we offer circles where people can put aside anything from £25 a month to £1,500 a month at the mm-hmm. moment and different lengths of time from kind of 10 months up to 30 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we find with some of our members at the moment is that maybe they've got, they've already saved some money themselves. Maybe they've got some help from Bank of Mum and Dad yep. um, and they want to do a top up. For other members that are maybe buying outside of London, because we're not just a solution for people in London, of course. it's, you know, £10,000 
chance gets you a long way in different parts of the UK oh, to yeah, yeah. your deposit. Absolutely. So um, we had one circle where people were raising £12,000 and one of our members in that circle needed like a total of 40000 So 12000 was just a, a small part of his deposit. And then for another member of that circle, 12000 was all he needed to buy a property with his wife in Leeds. So yeah. people can be working actually towards quite different goals, but they take the same amount out of the circle. Mm. Now, why haven't I heard of this before? Because I've spoken to lots of people, and, I, and when I sorry, I to be to be clear, I don't necessarily mean step ladder because there's lots of tech yeah. products out there that you kind of discover for, for yeah. the first time. But this particular financing model, why have I not heard about it in the UK market? More to the point, because I know lots of people who've tried to save for houses. Mm. And this is the first time that I've heard of this particular financial arrangement. That's fascinating. Like I said, building societies is how we would know them here, or mutuals. Yeah. So they exist. They're all around us. The thing is, the local names vary. Mm. So in Brazil, they're known as consorcios. And just in the neighbor in neighboring Peru, they're called um, banderos. So the point is, people often think, oh, only my culture has these. These are an organic solution. I remember it was eye-opening. The first time uh, we went to, actually, no, it was the second first-time buyer show that we went to uh, was uh, in South London. And the number of people who said, actually, this is how we financed our first homes a generation ago when we came over from the West Indies, because mm -hmm. banking was much more closed to that community. They financed themselves through these circles where they call them partners. So the point is, they're all around us. There are active committee circles that we've run into, and that committee is a very popular term uh, in Pakistan, that are active to the tune of about thirty or 40,000 in kids in these circles today. So they're all around us. The whole point is to translate that from a community solution that is localized mm -hmm. to a scalable one with the infrastructure that comes with being a tech platform, with being obviously, you know, facing the regulators, making sure that we meet all the standards for a peer-to-peer -peer business, et cetera. The key thing is to take it and go from basically the community bake sale and to turn it into Greg's. Okay. Good analogy, being, being for Newcastle, I'm a big fan of Greg's. Um, okay, <laughs> look, I, I think something that does strike me as, as being quite interesting, I suppose, in, in terms of the growth of your business then, you mentioned specifically you're trying to help first-time buyers. So you're basically helping customers once. So how do you grow that community? How do you gain new customers? How do you, yeah. I suppose, tap into those alumni, for want of a better word, yeah. to help? spread the word around community? Yeah, it's a great question. And we sort of focus on first-time buyers as our headline. But the reality is there's no reason why stepladder circles can't help you raise a deposit mm. for the next home when you move up the property ladder. Mm. But what we're finding with our alumni uh, members is that once they've been in a circle, they love this way of working together and raising money. And that then once you buy a new home, you need a sofa and a washing machine and, you know, you need to put money aside for something else. So they'll join another circle. Ah, so if they wanted to kit their home out? Absolutely. So we're just launching a partnership with My Bespoke Room, an right. interior design service. And in that circle, you can raise £2,000 for decorating your home and buying furniture. My wife will probably start looking at that. Uh, the amount <laughs> of times I find her on John Lewis and <laughs> exactly. spending money that we don't have. Anyway, um, <laughs> so what's unique about this? What's to stop Barclays or HSBC or any of the big legacy financial institutions going... Oh, this product actually makes quite a lot of sense. It's you know it's it's existed as you say in in building societies for a while. Yeah. Why not copy it and offer it to their customers? That's a really interesting question. Something that we've often asked ourselves: Why haven't they embraced it more fully? 
certainly from our perspective with the tech that we've built, the ability to match people to groups and to essentially manage that journey for them, it's mm-hmm. not we're not uh, restricted in any way from basically white labeling it to some of these banks. So we're always happy to have the door open. I think that a lot of banks today see the asset and liability side of the ledger as being two completely different businesses. I mean, a place like Barclays will have someone who focuses on the mortgage business. They think about where they're going to get mortgages from, mm-hmm. the mortgage brokers. Mm-hmm. Seven out of eight uh, first-time buyers use a mortgage broker. And so the mortgage team, the product guys, think about that channel for distribution completely separately and thinking that those first-time buyers had been savers for months or years, maybe Barclays savers, maybe savers at a different bank, and connecting those two sides has broken down. And this is fundamentally what the Roscoe puts back together. It sees you as both a saver for part of the journey as well as being a borrower for part of the journey and right. puts the two together. And so it closes that loop. And so we live in an age now where people are rediscovering the fact that actually what they really want is to have a social dimension to their financial life, just like they do a social dimension to their fitness and wellness and health. And so the larger banks aren't configured to have that unified, community-centered interaction with money. Mm-hmm. And we're bringing that back. I mean, I would think that honestly, if we had Frank Capra show up materialized here, he would recognize this as the same kind of thrift that you had in It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. This idea that actually your money is in that person's house. That dynamic has been lost in the financial services market for a long time. So if they, if they can rediscover their soul, I think they're going to come knocking to work with us. Yeah. Now, just thinking about kind of the customer journey and how you can kind of, I suppose, work within the larger uh, financial services environment. We've we've had the likes of Starling Bank and Pension B um, on the podcast before, and they kind of entered a marketplace and helped each other uh, because they were providing slightly different products. Obviously, you're one step on a fairly complicated journey through buying a house. So, are you working with other startups who are providing the other parts of that puzzle along the way? Absolutely. Um, from our perspective partnerships and creating an ecosystem is exactly right. We want to deliver something for our community of members that is all-encompassing. So one of the great illustrations are our first step circles where people are just getting in the habit of putting money aside every month Mm. to begin to think of money that comes in as income, as capital. And one of the things that we want to encourage them to do is think about putting that money when they draw their uh, the monthly lump sum, what do they want to do with that? Does that sit in a bank account and start to slip through the fingers, go out in a holiday or something like that, or turn it into a capital? properly. So we've been working with companies like Ticker or Moneybox to essentially say, why not open an account at these places? And then that money starts to work for you, becomes like capital. And from our perspective, this is the idea of, again, a holistic approach, a very member-centric approach to their personal finances rather than a transactional one. Mm -hmm. Um, When we talk about the home buying journey, one of the most important things we think about is the informed consumer is going to get more for their money. The informed consumer is going to feel less victimized by the process they're going through, less overwhelmed by it. And ultimately, not only by having a group together are there savings that come from that, and again, group buying discounts, but just being better informed means that you're going to get better value and it's going to be a better fit for you. There's nothing scarier, and I I apologize if it sounds like I'm flipping things around, but the lenders when they look at a first-time buyer, are also saying, how do you know what you're getting yourself into? How well do we get to know you? If the mortgage broker's only known you for a couple weeks, how good are they at essentially qualifying you as an actual borrower for the next five years or next 25 years? Mm -hmm. So by getting to know our membership, we can help line them up better with lenders as well. 
and were aligned to the success of that borrower in the journey after the point where they've taken out the loan as well, because that member is still making ongoing contributions to their stepladder circle. Mm. So this idea of a holistic solution, being there on the journey with our membership, is completely flipping around the dynamic. And of course, it requires an ecosystem from the lenders, mortgage brokers, from conveyancing solicitors, surveyors, all the way down to removals. So look, um, podcast demographics, kind of 18 to 34 tend to be the sweet spot. That, that probably mirrors a lot of people who are, who are using your Absolutely. services. So yeah. if people listen and they are interested, what's the best port of call? Is it to go to a website? Is it to download an app? What, what, Absolutely. What so joinstepladder.com is the right. best place to go. And on there you can learn more about the benefits of joining Stepladder, how we work, lots of frequently asked questions. I'm sure some of your listeners are thinking, yeah, that sounds really good. But yes. <laughs> um, and I spent the last three years talking to people, you know, who ask all sorts of questions like, do I have to carry on paying in when I get my deposit? And I'm like, yes, we're not giving you free money. Uh, there's no magic here. Mm. If you pay in £10,000, you get out £10,000. So lots and lots of frequently asked questions on there. Case studies of people that have bought houses or raised um, money towards their financial goals. So mm. you can see other members. And then importantly, an apply form on the website where you can fill in some information and then we'll get back to you with an affordability report and say, look, these are the kind of circles you can join this is how we can help you mm. and you can have a, a consultation with us to chat about how we might be able to help you so yeah join stepladder.com well look it sounds like an amazingly prescient uh, product for the time so uh, thank you both for sharing some thoughts on it and, and giving up some time to talk to us on the podcast thank you very much it's a real pleasure thank you so much for coming I had never heard of a Rosca before this but Akish you seem to be quite vocal about the fact that you have yeah, so I think they mentioned it in the um, in the interview as well. That um, I, I think they actually said Pakistan as a country. Mm-hmm. So I am uh, well, I am Pakistani, but my mum especially has been doing this sort of uh, I don't know scheme or, or or thing or activity you could call it um, for as long as I can remember since being young with her, her friends, few of her sisters, and it's like a community activity where you basically set aside a certain amount a month and then one person kind of gets it and everyone yeah. uses it towards different things. And I think I remember once we had like a family, like a family holiday or whatever. This is when I'm going back when I was quite young. And um, I remember she kind of just went, and at that time people actually used to go to travel agents. So this, mm-hmm. is, this is how old it is. It wasn't like when it was like online stuff. Um, and she went into a travel agent and then just got, kind of like bought the tickets like straight off the bat. Um, we obviously help with the with the whole kind of money side of things. It's not new, is it? Because I mean, the reference in the interview is um, "It's a Wonderful Life," mm. which is a film from. It's, it's basically my favourite film ever, and I'm, I'm going to kick myself here, but I think it was made in the '30s. Mm. It's an old, old film, um, and he talks about the fact that you know your money is in that person's house, and it's a very community thing, mm. and that financial institutions should rediscover their soul. And you're talking there about community yeah. I suppose the thing that I don't quite understand is given how difficult it is for people to raise money for a deposit why this isn't more prevalent as just a product mm. within finance mm. yeah no, that's very true it's very true I think like so thinking when I was listening to the interview the whole point that it was it's quite big in places like Pakistan I know India as well um, and I've done it with a few of my friends that like, grown up yeah, Latin America's mentioned quite a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's areas where saving isn't really seen as, as a as a thing that people should do. Mm-hmm. It's not really talked about as much and it's all about, you know, it's all about people helping each other to get 
to the next phase of life or getting to the next step or whatever they want. So mm. I think what's happened is it started from those areas where, I don't know if it's fair to say, are not that economically developed mm. um, or don't have the kind of products that we have here in London, for example. Um, so yeah, okay, so. I don't know. Well, I'm not sure, Keish, because like I, I mean, I come from South Africa. <laughs> Where do you come from? <laughs> Sorry, I, I've never heard of something like this. I've never heard of people speaking about it. And at the moment, two of my friends are looking to buy, and I sent them the link to this. I, I think, Evie, may she rest in peace. Yeah. Oh, Evie, shame. <laughs> and the, and I sent them the link to this, and I was so shocked when I heard about it because yeah. I was like, why has no one come up with this before? Yeah. But evidently they have no one's talking about it but like you mentioned in the thing is everyone's got different names for it so mm. and I think it's just at the moment instead of it being a community based thing why hasn't a big organisation a big bank kind of taken this on and scaled the, this idea yeah. surely there's a way to make a lot of cash dough from this yeah yeah absolutely um, I, I, I suppose it's it's it, it just baffles me that it isn't more prevalent I say, yeah to, yeah. is the only thing that I can say because I have been thinking about raising money to buy a house for God knows how many years and this has never occurred to me I think especially when it comes to your your younger people look at how much debt you have and you haven't even started working it mm. you think about your average young person not throwing an EV under the bus here but I mean she's still got her student loan she's paying off she's like so what? Yeah, exactly well this is my thing you've bought a house already so yeah, well done to you but I just think that it's going to really be helping out younger younger people build houses. And I think it just gives people a lot of... Um, amounts on rent. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it just gives people a bit more confidence in saving. And also, mm. because it's a bit more... I, 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 I see your, your side of why hasn't this been talked about more, but I think because it's not under... I think they mentioned it in the interview as well, because it's not under a massive global name... Mm. or a household name like your Barclays, like your Hargreaves, Lansdowne. Yeah. I know a lot of the guys and, and friends that I have, they've got first time buying ices, for example. Uh, oh, yes. Um, through Hargreaves, Lansdowne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there are other ices available buy, as well. Yeah, yeah. Buy, yeah. Um, So I, th I think there's, there's a lot more consumer, I don't know, uh, trust going into a household name rather than... You know, some some new. Well, that's product. true because imagine if you get it together in a group of people, and one month someone doesn't mm. pay, it kind of all falls apart. That's the thing. Can you imagine it. if we went out to the office now and went, right, guys, I've got a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. Why don't we all get together and save money? And then, mm. you know, there's a few people that you wouldn't actually see down at the bar buying around, and you're like, really, you're gonna give every month? So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, okay, I've never really seen you buy around on a Friday evening, but uh, okay. So I think that's and maybe stuff that's does. why bankers, banks have not. Yeah. Really bought into this uh, idea. Any out of interest, um, they mentioned about ten ten thousand pounds can get you a long way in other parts of the UK. Mm. The average house price in London is something like four hundred thousand or Should half a million, be. so it doesn't quite get you there. But uh, any ideas where it might get you a, a house for a hundred grand? Ten percent deposit. I'm going Anywhere Newcastle. Okay. Yeah, Newcastle. Well, the northeast. Yeah. Durham, Sunderland, Sedgefield. Tony Blair's former constituency. Um, yes, Northern Ireland as well. Some really? very cheap houses in Northern Ireland. Really? So if you fancy moving to Belfast, big tech startup hub, maybe get onto Step Ladder, there you go. Okay, thanks. Like, I'm having a look here in the heart of Northern Ireland, average house price is like £83,000. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the Zoopla heat map. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't know that. It, well, Northern Ireland is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Not sure the houses will be, but yeah, yeah. here we go. Um, yeah, one thing that 
I don't... I, I didn't cover off in the interview that I have done since is how they make money because that wasn't immediately apparent. And obviously they're a startup. Matthew came up with the idea in 2016. Uh, what I quite like is that they make their money from referrals onto solicitors and mortgage brokers. And whilst there is a membership fee, actually they're not making money from first-time buyers. Mm. It kind of feeds into that ethos of banking mm. with its soul back a bit. Yeah. It's all about that, that kind of... Well, I guess it's all about the... The nice banking side, if that makes sense. Well, why can't banks be nice? What? What? There's nothing to say that banks have to inherently be money-grabbing evil things. No. There's no reason why you couldn't run a bank ethically that is there to... Yeah, all right, it's business, but it's there to serve a purpose in the community. Yeah, yeah. I want to help people, yeah. I don't I, know, that's a hard question. I think it's just that legacy of banks have always been this big, hard corporation, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, but now, because of the way the world's going, everyone's starting a business with a social purpose. Yeah. So here we are. There's Come no on, reason why banking banks it. have to be what has now become synonymous with banks in terms of how we view them. Certainly since 2008. Mm. Um, quick last word on this. Um, they refer on to a community of other businesses. Uh, Moneybox and Ticker are mentioned. Ticker, give them a shout out. Former guests on this show. Aww. There you go. Big up yourself. I think with that we'll go to our advert break and we'll be back with a bit of technology news. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. This uh, edition's bit of tech news for you, taken from The Guardian. How to manage your family's screen time. Establish rules about when phones and tablets are okay. Make sure that everybody, including you, sticks to them. So very quickly, this article says that screens have no direct toxic effect on children, so it's perfectly fine, for example, to reward them with screens once they've done their homework. Is it, it, it is more of a question of what it is displacing. Ask yourself, is everyone's screen time under control? Also ask if it's interfering with other social interactions, perhaps activities uh, you may want to do as a family and then think about reducing it. What do we think about this? You, well, none of us have children, so I suppose, you know, we're not exactly the right, but yeah. we all spend time with friends, yeah. looking at phones. Akish, you're looking at yours there. Yeah. Yeah. Having a look at how much time you spent on the phone? That's exactly what I was looking at, actually. Yeah. Uh, Where do you find it? My daily average for last week, six hours, 35 a day. Gee Wow. That is bad. That's a, that's a quarter of a day. That's very bad, isn't it? Fine line. Uh, Which, given that you spend about a quarter of the day asleep, <laughs> it's probably about a third of your awake time. Yeah, but I think it was last week. I was watching a lot of stuff on my phone. As well, there was a box. There was oh, boxing yeah, on. Netflix, there was YouTube. Right? Yeah, Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, yeah. That sort okay. of thing. So do you, watch, do you not watch the TV at home? You went there. Uh, mean, to be fair, same thing. Screen, screen, yeah. just bigger screen. See, like my most used was YouTube, which was about one hour in. The bigger screen doesn't have any notifications. Well, YouTube was one hour thirty-five minutes a day, and I'll tell you why that was because of the Tyson Fury boxing. Uh, I was watching a lot of the reaction. And like, People. yeah, interviews okay. and that sort of thing. Your phones. You don't find mine. No. Oh. I mean, it's, 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 
It's a tricky one because like I do work a lot through my phone. Yeah. And I know that Haley gets annoyed with me, and rightly so because I do mm. check it quite a lot at home, mm. and I try to be better and put it down at times. Mm. But like LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. everything that the podcast gets pushed out through, I kind of control through my phone. Yeah. And I think, well, I think it's the whole engagement thing, right? So, what did the article say? It's about kids, right? It's just families. families, You know, it talks about prioritising face-to-face interaction, especially before children go to sleep. That can make bedtime easier. They tend to feel more relaxed. The screens put us on edge. Well, I don't think it's that. It's funny, because I was at my cousin's house this weekend, who's got two young children, or both teenagers, and she mentioned, she said something to them, which I was just overhearing their conversation. And she said something like, I'm not going to sit here and talk to you whilst you're not here and you're having a conversation with someone else. Yeah. Yeah, which I was like, oh, wow, that's deep stuff. Um, Also, good on her for calling them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she made her kids, like, put down their phones and stuff. And they were having... It was just a Sunday afternoon, Mm -hmm. so it was just a conversation about whatever. But, you know, it actually then made me think, like, how many times are we with people but not, not and I see this at people. dinner all the time yeah, right yeah. like you go out for dinner as friends and you spend the first like 15-20 minutes you know telling someone what time you're going to be home or, or whatever it's a bit of a social taboo though and certainly when you see people at a restaurant having a meal Couples and one of them's on the phone you're I like, really? like yeah, 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 because yeah. like the whole like I, I fully admit that we could do with putting our phones down more at home but when we go out for a meal together it's specifically because it's like no it's in a restaurant setting therefore we're going to kind of unplug a bit and just focus on having a chat and you know isn't there a restaurant in London that you can you have to you have to hand in your phones or something before they take you to the table it's a bit worrying that you can't be trusted and you have to give them over but I think it's a good thing right yeah 100% I think also going back to the children thing so I have a brother that's five years younger than me and, and I've seen how he's grown up with technology as opposed to I have. And he plays a lot of PlayStation. And my mom never, bless her, she's great, she's awesome. But she's she'd never been like, no, you're not allowed to play. If he wanted to play, he could play. And he plays all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm. And I think it's affected his like, like way he communicates with people now. Because right. he's not as open, doesn't share much. He's very like, and I think that's because he's always just playing PlayStation all the time. Yeah. I think that's a little bit scary. I think you need... I think parents need to be like, no. They need to know when enough is enough. Don't spend so much time on your phone. Don't do it. It's not healthy. Me and my dad used to come into our room and take the power lead off my PlayStation. Me and dad. Because I, because I used to play it at night and I got caught a few times. Mm. So uh, then what happened was this is when I was very young, like eleven or ten or whatever, and uh, he used to he used to confiscate the power lead before going to sleep. So he's like. He's like, I, I want to see how you can play that. So yeah. yeah. And should screen time be a thing that's like a reward? Because do you, you know what I mean? If it's if limited, you don't then... do your homework. You can be rewarded with the cell phone because now you're making this a huge thing. You're making sitting on your cell. You're also huge, limiting huge it, and you're, I suppose it's yeah. healthy. I don't know. I don't. I don't envy parents. Me neither. Hard job. Yeah. And with that, (laughs) (laughs) enjoy the rest of your week, folks, and we'll be back at the end of the week. Bye, guys.